0: Do the words we use have shapes? The Internet Says It's True. Hey there. Welcome. Welcome to The Internet Says It's True. This is a show where every week we learn something that sounds like I made it up, but it's really true. Part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name is Michael Kent. This is a weird but fascinating episode, and it's based on the idea that people subconsciously associate shapes with certain words and vice versa words with certain shapes i gotta tell you the patreon keeps growing and i think that's because it's the only place where you can really watch the video series i did through the pandemic i did 65 episodes of this show where i told jokes had celebrity guests on to tell their favorite story and then i did magic tricks it's called joke story trick and like i said there are 65 episodes of this show available on patreon.com slash michael kent anyone who joins whether it's a dollar or ten dollar level gets access to these videos and if you want to jump straight to where those are you can always go to JokeStoryTrick.com, and once you sign up you'll be at the page with all of those episodes It's been a great start to the year so far, lots of exciting things coming up in the future and projects that are in the works, so keep coming back to listen to new episodes and I will keep writing them. For today's topic, I think I first heard about this from a TikTok video. That's pretty much the way I get exposed to a lot of weird stuff. And it blew me away. I studied linguistics in college with my communications degree took a lot of linguistics courses and i loved studying morphology which if you're unfamiliar it's the study of the forms of words how words are built by languages so let's get into this the phenomenon known as the buba kiki effect it's generally understood by those who study language that there is no relationship between the way a word sounds and the meaning of a word in other words listening to a word usually gives you no clue as to what the word means, but as with any rule, there are exceptions. One of them is what's known as onomatopoeia. Uh, Some people say onomatopoeia. These are words that are specifically created to mimic a sound, and usually the examples that are given are comic book words, pow, splat, bam, you know, the words that are supposed to sound like the sound they're describing. There are also some unusual onomatopoeia words like blimp, blimp is supposed to be the sound that's made when you thump a balloon. Uh, Bumblebee is one. Bumblebee is supposed to be the sound of a bee. That's how the sound was described in Middle English in the 1520s. Here's an interesting note. Another dialect word for bumblebee was Dumbledore. Hmm. Uh, Chatter. Chatter is an onomatopoeia word for the sound of teeth hitting together. And another unusual one is the word cliché. It's meant to mimic the sound of a printing press. So when something is done over and over, it's cliche. So even in the case of the non-obvious ones, we expect onomatopoeia words to sort of have a sound that's related to the meaning. But another surprising instance of word forms having a connection to their meaning is in this weird phenomenon that was first discovered by a Georgian psychologist, Dmitri Uznadze in 1924, and then expanded upon in a 1929 book by German-American Wolfgang Kohler. It's the idea of iconicity, the ability for a word meaning to have a picture or shape automatically associated with it. A group of people were shown two nonsense words and two nonsense shapes, and they were asked which shape was associated with which word. In Kohler's study, the words were maluma and tequete. Then the two shapes that participants were shown were very different from each other. One was an amoeba-like blob with rounded edges, sort of like a puddle of liquid and the other was a shape with jagged edges and points like a starburst. In his book, Gestalt Psychology, Kohler found that most people associated the word takete with the jagged shape, while associating the word maluma with the rounded amoeba shape. So that brings us to the most popular version of this study, and the study for which the phenomenon is named. Two researchers in 2001, Ramachandran and Hubbard, were studying synesthesia, The phenomenon where to certain people, words are associated with colors and they redid the original 1929 study, this time with the nonsense words, booba and kiki. They used the original spiky and amoeba like shapes and get this 89% of all people who took part in the study, they all associated booba with the more rounded shape and kiki with the spiky shape, despite these words having no meaning. And it wasn't just English speakers. This was repeated with speakers of all languages, and with very few exceptions, the effect held true. Some of these exceptions were in the case from people from Papua New Guinea and Nepal. They didn't associate the words with the shapes in the same way at all, and their results were completely random. And it's thought that that is because in those areas where the language of Songa and Suba are spoken, respectively, the words kiki and buba aren't words that could actually exist in their languages. Another interesting diversion from the effect is in the case of children with autism, who only associated them according to the effect 56% of the time. So why is this happening? Why are we able to associate a nonsense word with a nonsense shape if there's no connection between the way a word is formed and its meaning? Well, we'll get to that after a quick break. If you love listening to this podcast every week and you want to show your support, that would mean a great deal to me. You can do that by becoming a Patreon member. We've got members at all levels, whether you want to pledge $1 a month or $10 a month. Just think about the value that you receive from this show. And if you like the histories and the stories that you learn about or the jokes that you hear, and if you think that they're worth it, consider signing up. For that, you get every episode ad-free and a week early, access to bonuses like the unedited videos of the guest appearances, and 20% off all merchandise. You can sign up today at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. That's patreon.com slash Michael
1: Kent. On the Music Journeys podcast, artists reflect on their careers and the importance of music in their lives. Donna McGavro has been singing for decades in Columbus and still finds inspiration in crafting new songs. It keeps me centered. It's a spiritual path. I do not believe I'm the best, but I feel I have something to offer, too. I keep putting it out there. Keeps me young, Mike. Hear more from McGapro and other local and national
0: artists on music journeys in the podcast experience at WCBE.org. There was a time that humans used 100% organic products as healing balms and moisturizers for their skin. Well, I've partnered with an awesome company that wants to get back to those times. Fatco sells organic and responsibly made tallow-based skincare products. For centuries, humans used tallow in skin moisturizers and healing balms, but... Unfortunately, the topical application of these fats seemed to stop around the same time that animal fats stopped being considered part of a healthy diet. A lot of modern skincare products do more harm than good by stripping your skin of its natural oils. Let's change that. You can try them out now at FatCo.com and get 15% off your order by using my promo code INTERNET. Go to TheInternetSaysIt'sTrue.com slash deals for the link.
1: We're living through the most dynamic time in human history, and what we do as leaders matter. We are the ones that create the leverage to shift directions of our companies, our nonprofits, and our communities. As a leader or an emerging leader, please join me for a dynamic conversation with top thought leaders, academics, and executives to learn more about how to elevate your leadership. I'm Maureen Metcalf. Join us at the WCBE podcast experience at WCBE.org. Archie. When I
0: first heard about the booba kiki effect, I didn't get it. I thought, yeah, of course, booba is the rounded one and kiki is the pointed one. Why wouldn't it be that way? You may be thinking the same thing. What's the big deal. The rounded form goes with booba, but ask yourself why, what is it that tells you the word kiki is the pointy shape? Well, it seems like humans tend to associate round shapes with voiced plosives, nasals and back vowels, which are fancy linguistic terms for vowels like O and U, vowels that take up more space in your mouth. And voiced plosives are things like B, the letter B, B, requires you to vibrate your voice box to create. Whereas if you try to make a B but don't voice it, it's P, it's the P sound. The technical term for a B sound is a voiced bilabial plosive. So we associate those types of sounds with rounder shapes. The jagged, sharp shapes tend to be associated with front vowels and unvoiced plosives. So a front vowel would be like like E, I, I, shorter sounds. And an unvoiced plosive would be like the, the P we talked about, or a K. A K sound is an unvoiced version of G, of G. Try that. If you make a K sound, K, but vibrate your vocal cords, now you're saying the G sound, G. Alexandra Sueck is a PhD in linguistics, and she studies iconicity and sound symbolism. She conducted one of the largest scale experiments studying the Buba Kiki effect, testing speakers from 25 different languages. And she says, quote, there are things that connect us as humans that are deep in our cognition, deep in our nature, end quote. And this goes back to when the words we use are created. An example of this is when we're talking about the sky, We use a higher pitch voice, or talking about something way down low, we use a lower pitch voice. This is just part of how we communicate with each other. It's in our nature to create sounds that convey meaning. This is essentially what iconicity is. Some call this cross-modal correspondence or sound symbolism, but the basic idea is that there is more to a word than its spelling. Its spelling may not carry meaning, but the sounds that make up that spelling, or the sounds that the spelling make, very well may carry meaning. Consider the example I just gave. The word low has those back vowels we were talking about, and the word sky and high have those front vowels. Part of the explanation about how this works is the shape of the letters used. Booba is a word with rounded letters and curves that could be associated with the rounded shape, and Ks in Kiki could be associated as being more jagged. Or we could talk about the rounded shape your mouth makes when you make these sounds, booba. Maybe the round mouth used in O's and U's could make people think of the rounded shape that they're looking at. So back to this buba kiki experiment. Dr. Alexandra Suyak also found some instances where the effect didn't work as well. Speakers of Turkish have a word similar to kiki, and it means cute. It's used for things like babies. So of course, that overrides the effect because that cultural association is stronger than the one based on the sounds alone. So Turkish speakers didn't always associate kiki with a sharp, pointy shape because they were thinking of cute, round, fat little babies. And in Romania, they have a word that sounds like buba, and it means wound. So they were probably associating buba with pain, and that was more likely associated with the sharpness of the jagged shape for those speakers. In Japanese, many of the words have this sort of sound association. They're called idiophones. It's like a language made up of lots and lots of onomatopoeia. I personally find this stuff fascinating, and I hope you do too. The point of this podcast is to give you stories that you can tell the people around you to understand the world and our history a little better. And now, next time you get together with friends, draw these two shapes on a napkin, give them the two nonsense words, and conduct your own version of this experiment. Then you can tell them all about the Bubba Kiki effect. Now it's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend, and today I'm calling Dr. Andy Luttrell, the host of the Opinion Science Podcast. Andy's a social psychologist and a really interesting guy. His show is about why people hold the opinions they do, and how and if those opinions can change. And uh, I thought he'd be a fantastic fit for this topic. Uh, how's it going? You're about ready to uh, to start a new semester at Ohio State, yeah?
1: At uh, Ball State, so oh, I'm a Ball, professor at Ball State. Ball State. Sorry. Yep, yep. Ball State. Yeah. You're uh, in, in Muncie. That's right, traveling out to Muncie during the week <laughs> to do my job.
0: Do you know a guy named uh, Todd Nesbitt at, at Ball State? I teaches, don't think so. teaches economy, uh, hmm. guy I went to high school with. This is an <laughs> extremely interesting topic to bring up on a podcast where nobody
1: knows who that is. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> what What classes do you teach at
1: Ball State? So I often teach the psychology of prejudice and discrimination, and I'll also teach stuff on public opinion and persuasive communication, all of which are my research bread and butter.
0: That's, that's, that's great. Now, I assume that you get into quite a bit heavy into politics with, with, when you talk about persuasion, that type of thing, um, Mm -hmm. do you find in a college setting that that ends up getting quite heated?
1: Uh, you know, I, I definitely had the perception that it was going to, uh, but generally I haven't had any issues. I mean, I think the, the key is creating an atmosphere where people can say what they would like to express in a way that's, uh, in the interest of, you know, pushing the boundaries and finding the truth and figuring it out. And so we've definitely had like differences of opinion come up in class, uh, but they have almost to my surprise <laughs> all yeah. gone pretty well. Yeah. That's
0: that's fantastic. It's, it's a little scary when you say, you know, you open it up for differences of a, opinion. It's really difficult in this climate to, for people to express opinions in a way that is respectful and considerate of the other side, the other opinion. Um, my, so, my
1: impression is when you get people together for real, then it goes better, right? I think uh, so as too. As opposed to I have, it online.
0: Yeah, I have this conversation with my friend Josh a lot um, about how, you know, people are are different animals when they're In in the presence of one another and Mm -hmm. much cooler. So, (laughs) um, well, this is a fun topic. uh, And for this first question, we're going to play for a joke. So, if you get it wrong, you have to tell me a joke. If you get it right, I'll tell you one. Here it is. There's a strange phenomenon known as the Booba Kiki effect. Which one of these describes the Booba Kiki effect? A. It's the scientific name for why cats tend to land on their feet after falling. B, it's a phenomenon that describes how people associate nonsense words with shapes. Or C, it describes when you don't know the words to a song and you just say nonsense words and it looks like you're singing the lyrics.
1: I'm disappointed only because I looked up a joke before I signed on to the call so that I would have something to say, but I know (laughs) this one. (laughs) And the answer is B.
0: The answer is B. It's the phenomenon that describes nonsense words being, uh, you know, associated with with shapes and and symbolic uh, meaning. So you can tell me your joke anyway, but let me tell you one first. Um, This one is not funny, but it's clever. So it might take Mm. a minute. There's a computer programmer whose wife tells him, hey, can you go to the store and get a ring of sausage? And if they have eggs, can you get a dozen? The programmer goes to a grocery store. He asks, do you have any eggs? The store clerk says, yes. He says, "Okay, then can you get me a dozen rings of sausage? So this, like I said, this one's not funny. It's clever, so you have to. This one's better in print. You have to go back and yeah. look at the question. She asked him, "Can you go to the store and get a ring of sausage? And if they have eggs, can you get a dozen?" It's a, it's, mm. it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a logic. This is um,
1: more like a, uh, yeah, like a teaching tool for <laughs> clear writing. Yeah, that's more, <laughs> more than it is more a than joke. a joke, right? <laughs> yeah, very much
0: not a joke. Uh, but uh, I thought it was interesting, and and since mm. we're talking about uh, you know linguistic uh, topics today, I found a linguistic joke. So uh, nice. t- I, I want your joke though. Do you, have, do you have one uh, even though you don't owe me one?
1: I'll give you the one that I was going to bring to you because <laughs> uh, I was sure I was going to fail. Uh, what is the difference between a refrigerator and an elephant? What? Are you stupid? Like everything. <laughs> oh, completely I, different things.
0: I, I, I really like that joke a lot. <laughs> oh, man, that's so good. Uh, thank you for, for sharing a joke. Uh, mm. <laughs> so you're familiar with how did you first learn about this booba kiki effect? Do you remember?
1: I remember it coming up early in grad school. I think I had a friend who was doing he was interested in starting some research on this effect. And to my understanding, it's still kind of an open question as to like exactly why, why? this Man. happens. And I know it started with the Maluma Takete? Like t- Bubakiki t- t- are like t- new t- innovations. T- 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 yeah.
0: Yeah. This is, this goes back. I mean, this is, this version, Buba Kiki is like 20 years old, whereas Maluma Takete or Takete or whatever goes back to the twenties. Um, mm-hmm. Really interesting. So, and I think from just me, my guess, um, having studied linguistics in college and having read a ton about this this week, there are four or five things happening all at once here. And I think, you know, the the most interesting is when you talk about the evolution of words and that they were chosen in the very you know when you chase them back to whether it was um you know roman whether it was latin what the reason that they chose those words is to express a thing and we're describing a thing and sometimes i think sound symbolism comes more into play there um mm. you know where you, you, the, when the example that one of these researchers gave was when people talk about something way up high, they use a higher voice. And when you talk about Mm. way down low, they'll use a lower voice. Uh, So when you talk about the sky, and even those words, sky and low, um, Mm. are sort of associated with a Mm. tone. And in the same way, they could probably be associated with shape. Uh, All right, so let's move on. You're one for one. And for this next question, if you get it wrong, you've got to tell me about the most embarrassing thing that's happened to you. And uh, (laughs) if you get it right, I'll tell you mine. Um, the word Kiki was used as a nonsense word in these linguistic studies 20 years ago, but it does have a slang meaning to some Americans. Which one of these is the slang meaning of Kiki? A, in the drag community, it's a word for a social gathering or a chat session. B, it's a word for a kick in soccer with the player's non-dominant leg. Or C, it's a slang word for when someone grows out one fingernail long for the purpose of snorting cocaine. <laughs>
1: uh i feel pretty sure it's not b
0: not the soccer kick
1: because that just seems silly it just seems like you no know, so i can't imagine soccer announcers saying that but I, who, who knows maybe that's the clip that you have uh at, at ready to play but I, it's a, for me it's a toss-up between a and c and i'm just gonna i'm gonna flip the coin and let it land a
0: the answer is A in the drag community. Yeah. It's a word for a social gathering or chat session. So in 2012, the Scissor Sisters released this song, Let's Have a Kiki, and it was famously used on RuPaul's Drag Race and has led to widespread use even outside of the LGBTQ community. But it dates back before that because it was used in the film Paris is Burning in 1990, and it's always been used. It had, it's had different meanings over the years, always been used inside the LGBTQ community. So, um, yeah, the, this I first heard it from a drag performer. I hadn't watched the famous scene on. I, I think I think it's been used on more than RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, for some reason, I want to say Sex and the City used this, but I'm not positive. That's where I first heard of it. Um, anyway, uh, here's a clip of that. Let's have a cheeky. I want to have a key. Lock the door. Let's have a kiki. Uh so yeah let's have a kiki but i'm sure that maybe the the researchers that did this study didn't know about that or or <laughs> probably not <laughs> because that that can skew the study you know there were a few languages uh, where buba and kiki had meanings or it was close to those words had meanings and that skewed sort of how they felt about those words um okay so i owe you an embarrassing story this one's pretty good uh this happened at a college booking conference there were these these five minute showcases where these comedians get up, you know, for five minutes and try to tell jokes for a crowd that's really not been warmed up. And it was <laughs> the first thing of the conference. And there was this really funny comedian, Ben Cronberg, And, um, I've always enjoyed Ben, Ben's comedy. And, and I watched him do five minutes and he is an alternative comic. And it was really tough. Five minutes is a tough spot without a warmed up audience. And so it was very cold, a very cold room for him, and maybe not a great choice of a of a showcase for five minutes there. And so, as everyone was sort of leaving, and I, I was walking down the hallway, and I saw Ben, and I had this conversation with him where I was like, "Is that five minutes? Is pretty tough in there, right?" They were pretty cold. And he was like, "No, it was fine. I think it went fine." And I was like, "You know your your comedy is is so." you know, a specific and, and we, we talked about his set a little bit and some of his jokes and things and he was really cool about it um and went along and like said, Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm trying some new jokes and trying some new stuff or whatever. And then he walked away and I went on my way. And then we walked into this like exhibit hall area where I was just walking through and I saw this band, the Andrew Bell band, and their guitarist, who looks like Ben Kronberg and is mm-hmm. the guy I just had that entire conversation <laughs> with. Um, I had a conversation with this guy who was not the comedian that I had in mind. They had the same haircut and the same hat on, basically the same clothes. And he went along with it. He did not tell me, hey, you're thinking of someone else. This was <laughs> he just let me make a fool of myself for a full conversation and went on to maybe he's the jerk in this situation. He <laughs> <laughs> he went on to talk about jokes and everything um, and never said like, you know, hey, I'm a guitar player. You know, I'm not the guy you're thinking of. So. Well, so, what
1: I love is, though, that you were disparaging him, right? Like you were going you were basically saying, hey, you you were really awful this morning. <laughs> He's like, gee, cool. Thanks. Yeah, for, maybe I spared stranger. Ben Kronberg
0: that really it would have been a maybe a worse conversation. Yeah. I mean, I don't give I'm not one of the I don't give notes, you know, unless I'm asked. Um, but this was more like me asking, like, yeah, was was that like was it me or was that, you know, I was I was maybe trying to commiserate with him and say, like. Um, you know, hey, that audience—it wasn't you; it was the audience. But I, I didn't, I didn't. Uh, it was the whole, whole thing was horrid, handled horribly uh, by me, and one of my top embarrassing moments. So, all right. So here, yes. this next question, we're gonna play for a sticker. A, a the <laughs> internet says it's true. Sticker, you are currently two for two and absolutely slaying it. How many languages are currently spoken in the world? Here are your options: A. <laughs> 815, B, 7,151, or C, 2,412. So once again, that's 800, 7,000 and change, or 2,000 and change.
1: Above 100, all numbers are the
0: same to me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, So we know there's, there's somewhere roughly around 200 countries. Right. That's, I don't know if that is a, I don't know if that helps or hurts or does anything to this.
1: Yeah, I truly, I truly have no idea. What what are the numbers again? Uh,
0: 815, 7151, 2412.
1: I just feel like going middle of the road is the way to go. So 2000, whatever it is.
0: 2000 C, 2412. The answer. Mm-hmm. 7,151. Now, this is according to ethnolog.com. Roughly 40% of languages are now endangered, often with fewer than 1,000 speakers remaining. And I think that's sort of the, um, when you understand that, that helps to understand why there are so many languages. Uh, meanwhile, there are 23 of those languages that account for more than half of the world's population. Mm. So really, when you talk about, you know, large, large communities of speakers, it's it's closer to a couple dozen. Um, So no sticker for you that time. Mm. You're one for three. Um, Now, did you ever study linguistics when you were in school?
1: Not really. I mean, I do some stuff now that's language related. So Mm -hmm. in some research, we're doing things like, you know, what are the words people use to express their views? Um, Uh What does that reveal about the kind of underlying uh, origin of their opinion and. What it means to others so so i'm actually (laughs) oddly been reading a little more about linguistics in the last year sure um but even that is not like hardcore linguistics like that i can't wrap my head around um Mm -hmm.
0: i studied linguistics it wasn't my major but i minored in linguistics in college and um you know i loved it i loved learning about morphology and things like this but the where i drew the line and really had a trouble with the program is that you really to study linguistics in columbus ohio you're studying a heavy amount of Somalian. And I don't remember what the hmm. different languages are. Uh, one of them, had, it starts with a click. It's like Osa or something like that. or Ota. And um, you you would have to spend, you know, 20 plus hours a week with a language partner, with a, someone who was not an English uh, as their primary language, la- language partner. It was a, it was a lot for, you know, to ask like a 20 year old, twenty one twenty year old kid to like <laughs> spend that much time with a stranger. So um, I didn't enjoy that. You know, it, but I did enjoy, you know, learning about how words are created. In fact, mm. you know, you're talking about how words shape people's opinions. There, there's a uh, a very well-known mentalist within the magic community, Kenton Nepper, who put out. Uh, are you familiar with Wonder Words at all? You've, mm-hmm. you've studied magic. And
1: Those are I, like the the CDs, like the ones you listen. to? I had
0: them on cassette tapes.
1: On cassette tape, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I
0: had a, it. Was like a big plastic binder that you open, and there were like, yep. you know, six mm-hmm. cassette tapes. Um, I think he also has them in print, but, you know, Wonder Words was this idea where the words that we use as magicians can have the ability to change the the audience's perception of what just happened. And and that's beyond just lying, but but mm-hmm. words, you know, to strengthen, like, you know, wouldn't it be impossible if, and then you state what's about to happen. And so when they, when that thing happens... For them, it might just be a little bit more impossible, and and you're sort of guiding them to a reaction through the words you use. I find that stuff super interesting. Um, So this uh, has nothing to do with that. This next question, you're (laughs) one for three, and for this question, we're going to take a shot at pronouncing the longest word in the English dictionary. It has Mm forty five letters. I'll put it in the chat so you can see it. If you get it wrong, you've got to try to pronounce it. If you get it right, I'll try to pronounce it. Here's the question: Which one of these three languages? Has the most words? Hmm. A Korean, B English, or C Russian?
1: I feel like I cannot say English because that's gonna—that's a little too like ethnocentric. <laughs> We've got the most words. We've got the best. Forget words. all the other languages. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I don't have any reason to think that Russian would be dramatically different from. English? I mean, there, there are three quite different languages, actually. Yeah, uh, again, just y- you've you've caught me in an area where I have <laughs> nowhere to run or hide. It would be strange uh,
0: if I had someone who knew all of the answers to all these questions. I wouldn't yeah, bring yeah. a linguist <laughs> on here and then be like, ha, you were wrong.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, what feels, when you said Korean at first, I thought, no. But in light of the other options, now I'm sort of back to Korean. So that's where I'm going to, that's what I'm going to lock in.
0: The answer, Andy, is A, Korean. You are correct. You are three for four. It's Korean. And it's actually, it's not even close. Korean has 1.1 million words. uh, And the next largest is Portuguese with 818,000. English is seventh in that list with uh, 578,000 words. Russian, believe it or not, is near the bottom. Russian only has Hmm. 10,000 words in their language so hmm. compare that to 1.1 million by korean speakers um so all right you got that right i'm going to try to pronounce this i will put it in the chat so you can um hmm. so you can see it here let me grab this word and copy it okay this is hmm. uh <laughs> this isn't actually the the largest word in the english language this is um it's the largest word in the english dictionary the largest word believe it or not in the english language is 189,819 letters long. 189,000, that's a, an actual word. Uh, it takes three hours to pronounce that word because it's a I don't chemical. I it. <laughs> <It's> tr- <laughs> This is according, you know, the internet says it's true. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> it, takes, it takes three hours to pronounce this word because it's a chemical compound that contains 244 individual protein domains that all have to be pronounced. But this word, um, which is also a science word, I'm going to try to say this. Okay, this is 45 letters pneumo nultra microscopic silico vulcaniosis. Let me try that one a little bit smoother.
1: Yeah, you missed a syllable. I Did I really? For sure. um, <laughs> yeah.
0: new, n- okay, numana numo numano ultra. Okay, numano ultra microscopic silico vulcano. Oh, vul- oh, I got so close. Silico vulcan vulcan volcanic, vulca, volcano, 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 ultra microscopic silica, silico volcano, oof, that's close enough. All right.
1: I think that got it. It's yeah.
0: close. That's close enough. Oh my gosh. Look that one up for yourself, folks, and see if you can pronounce it. Um, and if you can memorize that, that's a great party trick.
1: <laughs> Ooh, life of the party in the hey, works here. <laughs> you want to hear me? You want
0: to hear me say the the longest word in the English dictionary? You could go up to people and be like, "Find the longest word in the English dictionary," and I'm going to try to say it. And you would practiced take a long time just of... by going through the dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you, you'd have to tell them to Google it. Maybe Google the yeah. longest word, and I'll. But not try, the three-hour one. Say it, not the long. Yeah. Well, it depends how the party's going, I guess. all right well you're you're three for four you've done incredibly well for this this last question is for all the marbles if you get this wrong i'm gonna ban you from the podcast you won't be asked Mm. on a third time i brought you on originally we talked about mummies and eating mummies i brought you back to talk about uh symbolic uh sound symbolism and now here's your question what color is the number eight
1: is there an objectively right answer to this no okay (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it depends how strong your opinions are, but.
1: Uh-huh. Is this a, another multiple choice? Or no, this is that's free it.
0: That's own? it. What color is the number eight?
1: I mean, green is what came to mind. Really? So, so yeah. for me,
0: I'll say that's right, because this, again, is, is subjective. Um, and, you know, I, you don't, might not have synthesis and, and, you know, not, don't have associate colors with words. But for me, eight is definitely red. Um, I, and, and here, let's try I this one. That, Cause this one might, I mean,
1: I have an idea why, I mean, oct- stop signs are octagons. Oh, and so
0: I had not considered that, but you could be, could be, but three is also red for me.
1: Mm. Um, so it's that shape. It, it, Cause eight it is a mirror. Image it must three, be, right? it
0: must be. Yeah. It must be the shape. Uh, how about this one? What about the number seven?
1: Yellow. It's See, like a...
0: Seven is clearly green for me. And, mm. and like, like very obviously green for me. Like that one's is more of a strong opinion than eight and three. Seven <laughs> is green. Um, I. I how did these... you
1: settle on eight for the question? If you, if, if you know the answer to seven more clearly.
0: That's a great question. I think that I asked myself the same thing once I realized, I think I wrote it. Mm. And then before I asked this, I was like, mm. you know, seven is more clear in my, in my mind. Mm. Uh, I think five is five is blue for me. Okay. Is that, how about that? Five, does five have a color uh, association for you?
1: I don't have, yeah, five gives me nothing.
0: Yeah, okay, that's what most most, <laughs> uh, most things give me nothing. You know, there are a lot of people out there with synthesis who, these are very, um. you know, all these words have very clear colors, which mm-hmm. I, I think is fascinating. And some of these synthesia studies are where the Kiki-Boba um, experiment mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. comes from, because it's people saying, you know, we want to learn more about this. Here's a study from the 20s that looked into a very similar thing, so.
1: It's interesting, yeah, that like, you know, intellectually you can go like, oh, I can ask the question, but synesthetes are like, I show you the number and it, you see the color. Like it is it is like it's a not one to one pairing. It's one hundred
0: percent objective for them. For mm-hmm. them. Um, but again, I guess that's still subjective because it's different from person to person. There's no, mm-hmm. you know, there's no rule. Um and it's not just numbers for them, right? It's it's like things. Things have you know, the words, mm-hmm. all words just have colors. Uh, really interesting, really interesting stuff. So, um, you know, go out and do this experiment for people. Show them the, the blobby figure and the jagged figure and see if they think Kiki and Booba match up. Um, thank you so much for being my guest. Now, you can listen to Andy's podcast. It's called the Opinion Science Podcast, and that's in all the places where where you listen to podcasts. Very interesting stuff. He brings on guests to to talk about specific topics um, and a really interesting guy. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Yeah, thank you. This is fun
0: that's all for this week thanks to my friend dr andy Latrell for being my guest here's a kid whose mom wanted to name him kiki and whose dad wanted to name him booba thank you for listening to the internet says it's true to listen to episodes ad free and a week early support us on patreon you can do that at patreon.com forward slash michael kent if you learned something just now that you didn't already know, go to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That helps us a ton because that's how the algorithm works. I don't know what an algorithm is, but just do it. See you next week for a brand new episode of The Internet Says It's True the internet says it's true, we'd like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make this show possible. Dallas Ray, Sean Brown, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, the show's official Emperor Kick Track. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use, Title 17, USC, Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts. And you can see bonus content
1: at patreon.com slash Kent.